Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, along with Barnabas, his friend, had founded the churches in Galatia. And different than some of the other letters that Paul had written, some of the letters were to specific churches. This is to an area and to a number of churches in the area of Galatia. He had made three different um, missionary journeys and had been been there and uh, started a number of churches. The green light is on. Okay. So, um, at any rate, he now is writing to these churches, and um, they had seen God do an amazing work in bringing people to salvation at a group known as the Judaizers were trying to persuade those who had believed in Jesus Christ that they were not truly saved unless they followed the law of Moses. Their message, in essence, was to add a component of works to the requirements for salvation. And Paul was furious about this. Um, He was shocked. They had so joyfully received the message that Christ had paid for all their sins. And he couldn't believe that they were believing something else. And so he writes to address that. That's part of the purpose of this letter. Different than other letters that Paul had written, this one does not commend them for anything. And he he wasted little time jumping in and getting right to the point. And you'll see that as we read verses 1 through 9. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want you to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Let's bow together in prayer. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to not only see your heart through the heart of Paul, 
But Lord, help us to see the application of these truths in our lives. We know that this is the eternal word of you, that you desire to use it in our lives. And so we look to your Spirit's ministry and we give thanks even now for what you will do. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul again, writing to these group of churches that, again, the spiritual warfare was going on. As we saw in Corinthians, deceivers were coming in to bring division and sedition and teach falsehoods. And and here again in Galatia, where great works were being done by God, Then along comes false teachers. Satan is always trying to dilute, trying to poison, trying to turn aside. And so here came false teachers. And this prompted Paul to write this letter. Then he gives some practical advice in the latter part of the letter about walking in the Spirit and so on. But the foundation that we need to understand when Paul and others went and preached the gospel is the foundation that Jesus Christ completely paid for our salvation and forgiveness. There is nothing else that we can add to it. There is nothing else that we can do. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross... And he said, it is finished. It did not mean his suffering was finished. That isn't what he had in mind. He meant that the payment for our sin was completely paid for. There was nothing else that, that needed to be done. It was completely paid for. We sang, Jesus paid it all. I remember when I was a freshman in college, we had um, a speaker come. He had served as a missionary in India for 50 years. Uh, I don't remember his name. I remember he was a a short little guy. He reminded me of Mr. Magoo. um, But he was talking about the fact that Jesus Christ paid all our sin. And he, he broke into the song, Jesus Paid It All. And he sang, Jesus paid some of it. I must do my best to pay the rest. Bop, 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 bop. I mean, that stuck with me all these years. But this is foundational to what, what Paul is addressing. Jesus paid it all. The offertory, redeemed how I love to proclaim it. It's, it's I'm redeemed and, and he has paid for my sin completely and utterly. A man by the name of P.P. Bliss understood the reality of this when he wrote this song, Free from the Law. Oh, happy condition. 
Jesus has bled and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, Christ has redeemed us once for all. Once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all, O friend, now believe it. Cling to the cross and the burden will fall. Christ hath redeemed us once for all. He said, now we are free. There's no condemnation. Jesus provides a perfect salvation. Come unto me, O hear his sweet call. Come and he saves us once for all. Children of God, what a glorious calling. Surely His grace will keep us from falling, passing from death to life at His call. Blessed salvation once for all. In Jesus Christ alone. What good news is there if Jesus paid most of it, but you have to do this and this and this? That is not good news. We are spiritually bankrupt. We have nothing that we can offer to God. And to understand this this huge debt of sin that we bear, Jesus paid it all. And this this is the message that Paul preached. And this is... Um, The message that they gladly received. And this is the message that that Paul reminded them in Galatians 3.11. That no one is justified by the law in the sight of God. It is evident the just shall live by faith. Faith that Jesus Christ bore all my sin and paid the penalty for all my sin. And nothing that I do can merit my forgiveness. Ephesians, we'll get to that next week. But, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So, the foundation that Paul preached was Jesus Christ completely paid For our salvation, our forgiveness, it is a gift that we receive when we receive Jesus Christ. Now, as we said, there were people that came in and said, Yeah, Jesus Christ did this, but you need to keep the law of Moses and Jesus plus something else. And Paul came down hard on this and he said, Anyone who adds a requirement for salvation, is to be accursed. I mean, this is some of the strongest language that Paul ever used in any of his letters. But the fury was burning in his heart because the gospel was being attacked. Because the price that Jesus paid was being minimized. And and people who had taken the gospel very seriously, were now believing, oh, okay, I I have Jesus, but now I need to add this. And their faith was, was questioned. They were challenged in this. 
and he wrote to battle against the false teachers for the defense of the gospel and in the interest of those that he loves. You notice the language. We read it. He said, they, they come to bring another gospel. There is no other gospel. And notice what he said, verse 8. But if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, meaning that Jesus Christ alone pays for sins, he says, let him be accursed. And then he adds, As I've said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. Now, they were asking them to go back and follow Jewish laws in addition to Jesus Christ. Most of us won't run into anyone that is teaching that, although there are people that... that Still do. But most of us will run into people that add something else to Jesus. There are denominations that believe that you will not be saved unless you have been baptized. That is adding to Jesus Christ. It is not Jesus Christ and baptism. There are people that teach, you will not be saved if you do not keep and whatever you add to it. Imagine if that is true. Jesus Christ paid for all my sin, but now I have to keep myself saved by doing certain things. So, When you get to heaven and someone else gets to heaven, you can say, high five, we made it. No. The only reason we will be in heaven is not because of anything that we have done except trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And and we live in a society that you're going to see it more and more ecumenical movement of people fellowshipping together. Well, we all believe in one God. And Paul came out strong and said, if they teach any other, there are, there are religions that teach, if you not, are not a member of their church, you will not be going to heaven. No, it is Jesus Christ alone. It is not church membership. It is not baptism. It is not keeping a list of works. It is nothing else. And we are seeing more and more today, well, we just want to get together and agree. And Paul says, no, they are accursed. The word he uses is anathema, they, the, the curse of God. I mean, this is strong language. Why? This is, this is dealing with the work of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ was not enough, then Jesus Christ died in vain. And it's dealing with the eternal destiny of individuals. This is, this is what the whole Bible is about. It's the gospel. And if you add anything else to the gospel, Jesus plus anything, 
is to be condemned, to be accursed. Legalism that they were bringing in is requiring something in addition to Jesus Christ for salvation. And in understanding, it is Jesus Christ alone that provides a forgiveness of our sins. Several months ago, I talked to someone away from here, and they said they were going to um, a certain church, and um, it was you know, one of the nondescript, you know, it, it didn't have, you couldn't tell by the name what it was. And so I got on and, and uh, checked what they believe. The person I talked to, I believe, is sincerely seeking God, but this church believes in baptismal regeneration, meaning that you need to be baptized to be a child of God. This is exactly what Paul is talking about. And he says, uh, don't just wink at it and overlook it. No, he comes out strongly and says, let them be accursed. That is, that is to be exposed as contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, a person that is truly saved should be willing to follow the Lord in the waters of baptism But as we say, baptism is an outward expression of what has taken place inwardly. Baptism does not save us. It is Jesus Christ alone that saves us. And and be careful that, that you don't feel good in your salvation because you've been doing good. No. The only thing we can plead for our salvation is the blood of Jesus Christ. And it paid for all our sin. Past, present, and future. Now, Paul addressed this and with um, vehemency denounced it and went on, and you'll go through in your studies in this and you'll see it in more detail, but then he comes to them and he, he understands there are, there are many ways to abuse truth. Truth out of balance leads to heresy. And you can take it out of balance one way or you can take it out of balance another way. But adding to the Word of God is very, very dangerous. So, Paul is writing to them, and if you turn to chapter 5, he says, he's addressing them, and he's saying, you are complete in Christ. You don't need to add anything to this. The Spirit of God dwells within you. And he says, you are not bound by the law. You, You do not have to go back and keep all the law to keep your salvation He says, you can't do that. He says in verse 1 of chapter 5, Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. He's saying here, 
and he's been teaching in Christ, we have been brought to liberty in Jesus Christ. Do not go back and be brought into bondage to the law. And you will see as you read through Galatians, and let me just say, in our study through the 30,000 feet, when we were going through Isaiah and Psalms and some of those, you may have found it difficult to read through the book. We are now in books that I, I think every believer should read it. I mean, Galatians has six chapters. It doesn't take you 20 minutes to read through it. I'd encourage you, don't just read through it once. Read through it as many times as you can this week. I mean, and we're getting to Ephesians. Philippians has four chapters. I mean, we should read it every day to let it saturate in us. And as you do that, as you do that with Galatians, you'll see Paul teaches much about the law. And he he shows us, well, what was the purpose of the law? The law reveals sin. The law shows us that I am a sinner. And the law condemns the sinner. You'll read that the law brings condemnation because no man can keep the law. And that the law, because we fall short of the law, we disobey the law, We are condemned by the law. The law curses us to hell. But God had a purpose in the law. The law was to show us that we need forgiveness. It was to show us and bring us to Jesus Christ. The law is in Galatians 3, 23 and 24... The law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So the law takes us and it shows us our sin and it shows us that we are condemned and it shows us that we will be separated from God forever. And then the law says, you need forgiveness. And Jesus paid it all. And here is forgiveness. It is to bring us to Christ. Grace, the grace of God, forgives sin. It pardons the sinner and it blesses heaven. In Galatians 2.21, Paul said, If righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. Why did Christ die? If it comes by keeping the law. And he said in in Galatians 3, 2, Did you receive spiritual life by keeping the law? No, you receive spiritual life through faith in Jesus Christ. So how do you think you will keep that life? By keeping the law? No, by the same Spirit that gave you life. The primary message of the book of Galatians is freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from judgment freedom from hell, freedom from all forms of spiritual bondage. And we are brought to this freedom in the purposes and the grace of God. About 20 times in these six short chapters, we'll come across a form of bondage or freedom. And it's a book about spiritual freedom. The 
story is told of a boy that accidentally killed one of the family's geese by throwing a stone. And he figured that uh, no one will notice if this one out of 24 is missing. So he went and buried it. But his sister saw his crime and said, I saw what you did. And if you don't wash the dishes for me, I'll tell mom. The boy did the dishes for days, day after day, he was doing the dishes. And one day the sister said, go do the dishes. He said, I'm not going to. She said, I'll tell mom. He said, go ahead. I already told her, and she forgave me, and I'm free. The law of God is like that nasty older sister. (laughs) And when we come to Jesus Christ, he forgives us, and we are set free as we... The song earlier, free from the law, oh happy condition. And this is what he's, they were being brought into bondage and he says, no, you are free. You are given this freedom. The, the pardon has been given for your sin. A man was once tried for a crime and the punishment was death. And the witnesses came one by one and testified against his, against him to his guilt. And he stood there calm and unmoved. The judge and jury were quite surprised at his indifference. And they didn't understand how he could take such a serious matter so calmly. And when the jury retired, it didn't take him but just a few minutes to come back with a guilty verdict. And when the judge was passing the sentence of death on the criminal, he told him how surprised he was that he could be so unmoved in the prospect of death. When the judge had finished, the man put his hand in his jacket and pulled out a document and walked up to the dock of the judge and gave it to him. And he said, this is how I could remain calm. And as he gave it to him, he gave him a free pardon from his king that he'd had in his pocket all the time. And he said, the king had instructed me to allow the trial to proceed and to produce the pardon only when I was condemned. No wonder then that he was so indifferent with the trial. We have the pardon of the King of Kings. The law accuses, accuses, and we are guilty. But the pardon of the King of Kings sets us free. And we are no longer in bondage to the law. We are given liberty in Jesus Christ. 
And all things may be lawful, but all things are not beneficial. So, Jesus Christ gives us liberty. And in Galatians 5, he said, I want you to stand fast in that liberty. Don't let anyone tell you anything else has to be done to have eternal life. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And then he comes down and in verse 13 of chapter 5, he gives another exhortation that is important that we cover this morning. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Then he goes in and talks about walking in the Spirit. So, Jesus Christ alone gives me liberty. But it is not a liberty, all right, I can go do whatever I want. It is a liberty. Don't use the liberty as an occasion to do whatever you want. But use this liberty to love God and serve others. In realizing this great debt of sin is paid for in Jesus Christ, I forever owe Him a debt of gratitude. I forever should love Him. And because I love Him, I should love others. And because I am a child of God, there will be evidences in my life that I am a child of God, and it will be manifested as I love God and serve others. So he said, don't use, this isn't a license. Hey, I can go live wherever, any way I want because my sins are forgiven. That's an evidence that you never had your sins forgiven. When your sins are forgiven and you understand the, the immensity of the forgiveness and the love of God, you desire to show God your love and you'll love God and the way you love God is by loving and serving others. Our freedom is not for selfish purposes. Our freedom is a privilege, a power to do what is right, not the opportunity to do whatever we want. And Paul is saying to them, don't let them bring you into bondage. You've got to do this and this and this and this to be a Christian. No. Your faith is in Jesus Christ alone. But that doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. Evidence that you are a child of God, you will love God, and you will use that liberty to serve others. People today take two extremes. They add to the, the gospel, you have to do this, 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 and this to be a Christian. And then there's others over here, hey, I've trusted Christ, I don't need to do anything. I am resting in God. Both of those are wrong. And this is what Paul is addressing. They were really wrong here. And he says, now don't swing the pendulum clear over here that I don't need to do anything. You have been called to liberty, but don't use your liberty to do whatever you want as an occasion for the flesh. Bring it right back here. By love, serve one another. D.L. Moody 
said that his mother lived, he lived in Chicago, his mother lived in the mountains of Connecticut, and he said, I've been in the habit for 20 years of regularly going back to visit her. But he said, suppose I go to visit her, and I say, Mother, you were very kind to me when I was young. You were very good to me. When Father died, you worked hard for all of us to keep us together. And so I've come to see you because it is my duty. I went then, he said, only because it was my duty. He said, she would say to me, well, son, if you only come to see me because it's your duty, you don't need to come again. And that is the way it is with a a great many Christians, Moody said. They work for him or serve him because it's their duty, not because they love him. And until we get right that, wow, this guilt, a stain that could not be removed, was forgiven by God, until we come to realize the fullness of that, we will be bound by duty. And duty is not what God calls us to. We will be bound by the bondage of I need to do this and this and this rather than a genuine love for God that says, God, you are my all in all. And whatever you want me to do, I am willing to do. And Paul said, I am, I am scared to death for you believers. You're believing that it's up to something you do. No, no, no. You have great liberty. Don't let them bring you into bondage that you need to do this and this and this and this. But he says, if you love God, there are things that you will do. You will love God and you will serve others. And then he goes in, and we don't have time to go into it. He says, you will walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And and he deals with that aspect. I'm sure you'll get into that more on Wednesday night. But we can't, we can't emphasize enough that Jesus Christ alone saves and this liberty that we have is not just for us to say, oh good, I'm going to heaven. It doesn't give us a license to sin. It gives us life to love God and to serve others. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would understand the truths of Galatians that we have just really not even touched the surface of today. But Lord, I pray if there is one here today who is trusting in anything else for their forgiveness, Lord, I pray today that your Spirit would show them the falsehood of that And, Lord, that they would come to know the joy of trusting in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sin. Lord, we plead your mercies that that we wouldn't abuse the grace of you by adding things that would make us believe that we had a part in this salvation And Lord, help us not to abuse the grace of you by
taking it cheaply, thinking we can live any way we want to live. But Lord, that we would use this liberty to love you and to serve one another. Lord, may your spirit make the book of Galatians just come alive in our lives as we saturate in it this week. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. Let's